All right. Welcome. My name is Dave Geldart. Uh, it's been a bit, little bit since I've preached, so uh, hi. I do preach sometimes. I kind of like it. Um, welcome. If you're, uh, if you're new, welcome. Wow, I've got all sorts of cables going around here. Uh, kids, kids, raise your hand. Welcome. We are so glad you're here. We are very glad you're here. So today, kids especially, there's going to be a few times where I'm going to need some help. I'm going to need some help, and I'm going to need some feedback. I want you to answer some questions. And so uh, be ready for that. Does that sound good? All right. I see that. I love that you guys are raising your hand. That's great. Well, let's go ahead and just start. Uh, t- uh, this weekend, Benji, uh, our oldest, Ben, uh, we were talking. I was telling him, you know, I'm, I'm preaching next. And he's like, what are you preaching on? And I said, well, actually, we're talking about an age-old question. Who is better, kids or adults? So what do you guys think? And kids, I want you to answer. Who do you think is better, kids or adults? You can just shout it out. You don't even have to raise your hand. I know. What do you think? Kids or adults? Which ones are better? Kids? All right. You think kids are better? Anyone think adults are better? Oh, I like that. You guys are all like thinking you're better. That's great. That's going to actually uh, uh, hurt the analogy later, but that's good. No, you, we'll, 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 we'll go with that. Anyone else? Adults. You don't have to answer this, but think in your mind, who's better, kids or adults? Hmm. All right. Let's see. Let's see if that really flows, uh, follows true. So kids, I'm going to need, need your help with this next thing, but adults, you stick in here. You see what you think. All right. Who's better, kids or adults, who can lift more? Who do you think is stronger? I want you to hey, answer. Go ahead and answer out loud. Kids, who's stronger? Kids or adults? Kids? <laughs> I mean, that guy does look pretty awesome. He's really going for it. I love it. What about this guy, though? You think he's going to win if they're lifting stuff? I don't know. Seems like the adult might win on that one. What about this? Who's smarter? Who knows more? Kids or adults? The scientist here looks pretty smart. Who do you think? The kid? <laughs> I love it. I don't know. I think this scientist might know a lot more. It looks like she's got some beakers and some test equipment. Although that guy looks like he's having a eureka moment. All right. Let's keep going here. Who is richer? Kids or adults? Kids, who, what do you think? Who's got more money? I think this guy's got way more money. I'm not sure most of us adults in this room would be like this, but it seems like adults tend to have more money. That's right. All right, let's do a couple more here. Who would you rather have on your basketball team? Kids, who plays basketball? Who can play basketball? I like basketball. I'm not very good at it, but yeah, yeah, I see some basketball players. All right, so who would you rather have on your basketball team? This girl, she looks like, I mean, she's got the sweatband. She's got her Spurs jersey. Or an adult? Kids probably have no idea who this is, sadly. Basketball great Michael Jordan. Who would you rather have on your team? Yell it out. <laughs> I hear a LeBron back there. That's a different debate. What'd you say, Edith? 25 kids. Okay, we're getting some math going. 900 kids. Well, that, I mean, that could be, be kind of crazy. I still, I don't know. Maybe Michael Jordan would win still. I don't know. All right, let's do one more. If you are going to be teaching people about the Bible, 
That was your job. You had to go teach someone about the Bible. Would you rather take some kids with you or an adult? Who do you think would be better to help you teach someone the Bible? Who's that? That's Mr. Ben Deaver, our lead pastor. Yeah. I don't know. These kids look like, well, it looks like they're having a lot of fun, but I don't know. Ben knows a lot about the Bible. So it seems like adults are better at a lot of things. I mean, it seems like it. What do you guys think God thinks? Who's better, kids or adults? <laughs> well, let's see. Let's see. All right, so uh, adults, my challenge to you is to lean in and uh, not let this be a message for the kids. How does this apply to you? Let's read. So uh, if you've got your copies of the scripture, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 18. It'll be on the screen too, but if you've got your copy, uh, it's some, sometimes really helpful to have it in front of you. Matthew 18. We're going to look at 1 through 6, and then we're going to jump into chapter nine a little, or 19 a little bit. So Matthew 18, 1 through 6. It's most of the way to the right. All right, so starting in verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, and then they asked this great question. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They wondered too. All right, so stop. What do you think Jesus is going to say? So we've just heard that, oh, let's see. We just heard that adults are pretty good at a lot of stuff. Will you put those adults up there? And uh, it seems like they win a lot. What do you think Jesus is going to say? Who's better? Well, let's see. So uh, for this next part, I need a volunteer for a kid to come up and sit on this stool for about two minutes. But the challenge is you can't be super silly or say anything, you just gotta look at the crowd and smile. Does that sound good? All right, hey, I saw your hand up first. Why don't you come up? Uh, yeah, right there. You can come up, there you go. Are you cool with that? Yeah, I love that. You can just sit right here and just look straight out. Can you get up there by yourself or are you good? I think you can, you totally can. All right, so in answer to this question, Jesus, Here's what Jesus said. And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, truly, I say to you, unless you turn, he's talking to who? Kids or adults? He's talking to adults. He said, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Oh, what do you guys think about that? Whoever receives such a child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Wow, that's pretty intense. So you can stay up here for just a minute. So kids, did you guys know that Jesus thinks you guys are pretty awesome? So he didn't necessarily say kids are better though, did he? Did he say kids are better not exactly, but he said there's some things about kids that tend to be better than the way adults often are. Adults have a lot to learn from kids in some very important ways. So what are some things that kids are better at than adults? Yes. You got to yell it out. All right. Better at drawing. That's right, having fun, just drawing. What are some other things kids are better at than adults, typically? Go ahead, Ben, I saw your hand. 
What did he say? Jumping up. Yeah, that's true. He knows that if dad, uh, if he invites dad to go jump on the trampoline right after dinner, I tell him I'm probably going to throw up if I do that. But kids can do it fine. Edith, did you have your hand up? What's something that kids are better at? What is it? That's true. Kids can be more creative. That's definitely true. You know what else I've noticed kids are better at than adults typically? Playing, right? Aren't kids usually so much better at having fun than adults? Sometimes adults get so boring, right? I was trying to explain to Ben, uh, Benji, what, what it's like when adults have a play date. So he knows what he does. But then when we have people over, uh, Jen and I have to explain to him that what we do for fun is we sit down at a table and we'll talk. And he just thinks that sounds so boring. And it's not. But maybe we could have some more fun together. Jesus also said that kids are better at being humble. Now, kids, kids have their moments, right? They can be, they can be uh, pretty self-confident sometimes, but kids are generally humble, and here's what he means. Kids typically know that they're not the strongest, right? Are you the strongest? No. See? Are you the smartest in this room? No. No, you're totally not, probably, because you're a kid. What about, are you the richest? No. No, I know I'm not either. Kids just come as they are. They know they don't have uh, a ton to merit anything. They just come and they ask. Hey, you did a great job. You can go sit down now. Thank you for, uh, you, you guys want to give her a hand? Great job. So yes, Jesus thinks that adults have a lot to learn or relearn from children. Something having to do with humility. Sometimes uh, Jesus' kingdom is called the upside-down kingdom. We've used that word here before. His kingdom is really backwards. The way Jesus does things is often really different from what we think. God likes to flip things on his head so that he can help us to tend to see people we miss, the weak people, the people that are usually in the corner, or the people that don't seem they have a lot, like they have a lot to offer. In uh, 1 Corinthians 1, it says, God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things. Sometimes, even in our day, kids are despised. Sometimes directly, but sometimes indirectly. We can kind of like get really annoyed with kids or despise them in subtle ways. God chooses the despised things, the things that seem like they're not, to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. Yeah, kids have something to offer. So kids, are you important to God? I want you to answer out loud. I don't know if I could hear you on that. Our kids, are you important to God? Let's try that one more time. I mean, I know you got the bass on and everything. Kids, are you important to God? Yes. Adults, are kids really important to God? Yeah. Adults, are kids as important to God as you are? That's right. Yeah. Hey, that's not, that, was not, that wasn't too bad. So I think we're getting it. Let's see if the disciples got it. Because right after this scene with Jesus, they have another chance to see if they learned what Jesus was teaching them. You guys think they're going to get it right this time? Some say yes, they definitely should. Some are like, I don't know. If you know the disciples, sometimes they take more than one time. So let's see what happens. So we're going to skip ahead to Matthew 19. We'll start in verse 13. All right. 
Then, oh, then children were brought to Jesus so that he could lay his hands on them and pray. So parents were bringing Jesus, their kids, so that he could bless them. Yeah, that seems like a great idea. How are the disciples going to treat the children now? Who votes? uh, Anyone vote that they're going to, I mean, I guess we already voted this. Some vote that they're going to do well. Let's just go ahead and read. Here's what happened. But the disciples rebuked the people. They, They rebuked them. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belong the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them. And then he went away. Oh, man, Jesus' disciples blew it. They had just learned from Jesus that kids are really important in God's kingdom. And actually, adults have a lot to learn from kids. Kids are the greatest in the kingdom in some ways. Adults need to enter the kingdom like a child. Maybe they didn't fully understand what Jesus was saying. They did not learn their lesson. So when all these parents were bringing their kids to Jesus so that he could bless them, what were they doing? They were keeping them away. Why do you think they would do that? And you can shout out answers anybody. Why do you think they might be keeping kids away from Jesus? Okay, maybe they just wanted to keep the attention for themselves. They were in a special spot. Yeah, I could see that. Anyone else? Why might they keep kids from, from Jesus? Maybe you could help answer for, your, for yourselves. Why do you think adults sometimes don't have time for kids? All right, I, I see your hand. All right, go ahead. Yeah. That's right. Maybe they thought Jesus was too busy to be bothered with kids because they're just so not important. Jesus did not have time for them. I like that answer. Edith, go ahead. All right. I I could only hear a little bit of that. Jesus wanted time to himself. Oh, that's actually a really good answer. I mean, I can resonate with that one as a parent. Sometimes I just want time to myself. That's right. I think that maybe they, um, yeah, they, maybe they thought Jesus didn't want to be bothered with the kids. So this story is in all uh, the ten gospel accounts. And it's really important if something is in all the gospel accounts. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all tell the same story uh, from different uh, eyewitness accounts about Jesus in his life. And some include a little bit different details, um, but the same, uh, this story occurs in all of them. And typically, if a story occurs in all of them, it's probably somewhat important. So the disciples had not yet absorbed that Jesus had this revolutionary value in which little ones were the greatest. I'm going to add in a few details from the account in Mark. So in Mark 10, we see this story, and it adds this little detail that when Jesus sees the disciples keeping kids from him, when he saw it, he was indignant, indignant. This is a a word we don't use a ton, maybe, kids. What do you think indignant means? Which of these two people do you think is indignant? Is it the lady on the top or lady on the bottom? Top? Anyone vote the bottom? That's good. Because Jesus probably wasn't laughing. He didn't think it was funny. Yes, it's the lady on the top. When Jesus saw kids being kept from him, he was indignant. He was mad because he saw someone being treated unfairly. He was actually very mad. Jesus was not okay, apparently, when kids were being communicated that Jesus didn't have time for them that they weren't important in the kingdom of God. It's usually worth paying attention when you notice in Scripture that God gets really mad at something. It actually doesn't happen a ton. It happens sometimes. It's usually worth paying attention to. 
Jesus is not okay with this. And then he even rebukes his disciples for it. Another detail that we see here in the Mark account, in Mark 10, it says that Jesus not only uh, invited the kids to come up, but it says that he took him up in his arms and he put his hands on them and he blessed each one of them before he was done, before he left. So Jesus had time for these kids. This wasn't just a, hey, it's a teaching point, I know the right thing. He was very warm with these children. He invited them up on his lap and then he put his hands of blessing on them. Each one of them, he wanted to make sure he got to all of them before he he moved on. So Jesus delighted in these kids. God wants kids to know that they are extremely important to him. And the way adults interact with kids, subtly and not so subtly, helps them to get a message about what God thinks about them, especially here in the church. It's really important. Jesus can't stand it when adults intentionally or unintentionally make kids think they're not as important to him or that God doesn't have time for them. Yeah. Tallgrass, how do you think we're doing in this area? We're not going to answer. How do you think we're doing in this area? So what is our church culture when it comes to how we engage with our children, how we interact with them? What messages about God do you think they're getting from us at our church? Now, I say our children intentionally here. I know that can be a trigger for some, especially those who are single or maybe have lost children. If our children can make it seem like, I don't know that these aren't all your children. I use this intentionally. When we talk about our children here at Tallgrass, we're not talking about biological parents and their kids. We're talking about all of us as a church family, and these are our children. Because one thing that you learn when you come to Christ is that whether you like it or not, when you sit in church, when you're gathering with others, especially if they're in the kingdom, if they've chosen to follow Jesus too, you look at them, you look at them, whether you like them or not, they are your brother or sister. We are family. Whether you like it or not, whether you come to church often or not, we're family. And this goes for our kids. So in this way, these are our kids. Do you think about them that way? I know it's not often our default. If not, adults, I want to challenge you to repent. Repent. This word has a lot of baggage in church culture, but in the Bible, when God uses the word repent, when the word repent is used, it means change your mind. Turn around and start heading a different direction. Repent. Man, this is going to drive me crazy. Repent. Adults, if you don't think about these as your children, and interact with them warmly like Jesus would. I invite you to choose to start repenting and turning a different direction. I know it's hard, especially if you're not used to it. There's lots of things in the Christian life that God tries to redirect us in. This may be one of them. Repent and embrace a different way of living and uh, and, uh, engaging with kids. Our church may just depend on it. So uh, a recent survey by the Barna Group, so they're a a, a research group uh, that does a lot of stats, especially in church life, really well respected. And in a survey in 2009, uh, it reconfirmed, about 10 years ago, it reconfirmed what we've known for decades and decades and decades, that that, uh, by far most people who accept Jesus as their Savior and hold on to him for their life, they accept him during their childhood years. Definitely they're uh, between 0 and 18 years. But as the stats show, that almost half of all folks who choose to follow Jesus do so before age 13. 
in their pre-teen years, not like 12, 13, but like zero to 12, that's when most folks choose to accept Jesus and hold on to him for their life. 21% commit to him between their, uh, in their teen years, 13 to 18. 13% do it during their uh, like high school, early college years, 18 to 21. And less than one in four choose to embrace Christ after their 21st birthday. So from a pure numbers perspective, the most important demographic for reaching people and teaching them about the gospel and about God's heart for them is young children. That's the most strategic ministry, perhaps, of the church, by and large. The numbers are playing it out. And it's not just from a get-them-saved perspective and then, like, flash in the pan, then we've got a number we can check in the box. Reaching young kids with the gospel has tons of deeper benefits throughout their life. Here's just a few that that report found. People, let me find it here on my notes here, people who become Christians before their teen years, so in this young children uh, bracket, are more likely than those who are converted when they're older to remain absolutely committed to Christ through their lifetime. It seems that uh, this young years is critical in developing uh, core values and commitments that um, uh, can hold them on through their life. So it's a real critical stage. On the flip side, even those who come to Christ in their teen years don't tend to do as well, or they have some difficulties. Americans who embrace Christ during their high school and college years are less likely than other believers to describe themselves as deeply spiritual. They donate, even as adults, less money, substantially less money to churches than other Christians. And they're less likely to be charismatic and Pentecostal. They're less likely to engage in lifestyle evangelism. Some interesting things playing out there. And we'll end with this last quote that I thought was really insightful. Last stats quote here. Families, churches, and parachurch ministries must recognize that primary window of opportunity for effectively reaching people with the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection is during those preteen years, 0 to 12. It's during those years that people develop their frames of reference for the remainder of their life, especially theologically and morally. These are really critical years. We probably know that. Let's tie that into what we know about Christ and the church and people developing uh, healthy morals and habits. Consistently explaining and modeling truth principles for young children, we're speaking to adults here, is the most critical factor in their spiritual development. That's right. It's not enough for adults to just explain something about Jesus to kids. That's important. But we also have to model it to them because we all know how it, it is more caught or taught, typically. More is caught than taught. Teaching is important, but much more is caught. It's a real strategic but hard reality sometimes, not just for parents, for all adults. The way all adults tend to treat the ch uh, our children here in our church plays a major factor in how they come to view God and, uh, and uh, live in his kingdom. And it's not just for the kids' sake so that they feel good. Did you know that the way adults treat kids has a lot more to say about adults than it does kids? When Jesus was in all, both of these interactions, yes, he interacted with children, but his primary teaching was to who? It was to adults, right? These are for teaching adults something important. And was it just teaching good parenting or just being kind to kids? No, Jesus was teaching something very critical to the kingdom of God and what God thinks about how we should live our lives, to how we exist 
and work out our Christian life in the kingdom of God. It's how we engage with kids has a major factor in how we think about God in relation uh, to humility. So it's true for adults too. The way that you interact with kids has a lot to say about the temperature of your relationship with God. It can be a hard thing to notice sometimes, especially if you're like me. Before I had my own kids, I had had no patience for children, was very uncomfortable around them. I did not go out of my way to talk to other kids. I didn't want to go hold a baby. Yeah, God had to like give me my own kids to kind of force this into me. And I think a lot of folks are like that. And like we discussed earlier, there can be some real difficult realities surrounding kids. The way we interact with kids. So, I think this is important for us. So, as uh, I'm going to invite Alicia to come up, we're going to end our time with a little interaction here. Uh, But as she comes up, stretch break. Did you know that not just kids need a stretch break? So, everyone stand up, 10 seconds. I want you to at least raise your hands up, unless you've got just a really short shirt and it's going to show your belly, like maybe mine will. Yeah, oh, that feels so good. All right, kids. Get a little wiggle out. It's going to get us through the next 10, 15 minutes here. Yeah, I see a little wiggle. Good job, Jack. Stretch break. So we are in this new teaching series called New Growth. Um, And we're trying to talk about, you know, coming out of this. uh, Yeah, you can sit down whenever you feel like it. We're coming out of this uh, difficult season, and we want to engage well with new growth. And it, it may be surprising to you that a teaching about how we interact with kids is one of the few topics we're going to hit in this series for our church. I think there's something strategic. We've known from the very beginning that engaging with kids was a strategic thing for our church, not just because we planned it out when we planned it three years ago with a lot of kids. So uh, we're calling this teaching Caring for Sprouts. So this one works on a couple levels. You know, there's these little plants coming through the soil. They're so fragile. They need help. They need to grow. And so that's like kids. But it's also our our ministry to kids, our ministry here at Tallgrass is called Sprouts. And so we're kind of getting this on two levels here. So, um, Alicia, uh, yeah, you can go ahead and come up. We'll, we'll, we'll sit here on the stools here and get you a mic. So Alicia is our uh, children's minister here at Tallgrass. She, uh, let's get, let me get my notes here. I'm going to get all brain farted here. So uh, she is uh, Alicia Hillegeist. She and Taylor have been with our church since we planted three years ago. She's got an elementary ed degree uh, with an emphasis in early childhood. So I know that's near and dear to her heart. And then uh, for the last few years, two years maybe, you've been on staff very part-time but doing a great job as our children's coordinator, Sprouts coordinator. And uh, for the past uh, six months or so, she's accepted the invitation, uh, our invitation to join our elder team. So we're really thankful for her role in our church. So I'm excited to interview her here a little bit, uh, this last little bit, uh, rather than me just continuing to talk, uh, let's, let's interview the expert here a little bit more. So uh, I'll just uh, ask a few questions here and uh, let you respond. Uh, did I turn that thing on? Is there a bright green light on there on the side? If there's not, will you press and hold that thing till the light comes on? It'll come on nice and green. So um, I'll ask you a first question, then I'm, I'm going to actually sneak two questions into this first one. So the first question is, and you don't have to be the expert here. I know I, I kind of set you up here, but just as someone who's got uh, your eyes on this. Um, how would you describe the culture you've seen in our church as it, it relates to engaging with kids? So uh, you've got kind of a unique perspective looking at this. So let's start with a positive. What are some of the positives you've seen uh, about our church culture engaging with children? 
Yeah, so the positives are our kids have been super resilient and they... Yeah, let's, um, let's hold that thing all the way. Yeah. They've been really <laughs> flexible. They've brought a lot of energy with them when they've come into Sprouts. I mean, they come with you parents. Like, I got to give you guys a pat on the back. Like, you're bringing your kids with you, even if it's not convenient or easy. So I'm really thankful for that. Um, <laughs> and true. a lot of our kids are recalling information, even as far as last summer when we were in the park. They're able to talk about the gospel on their hands and remember a lot of the fruits of the Spirit and how to bear each other's burdens well. And, I mean, as a former teacher, that makes me like feel like, okay, we're doing this. They're doing awesome. So um, That's awesome. those are some, some really great positives. Yeah. I, I noticed last week, um, I don't think she's, uh, yeah, it was Carrie. Carrie Fraticelli was uh, help, helping us tear down, and she intentionally stopped and invited our uh, our, well, uh, one of our youngest, uh, uh, Jack, to come up and help her. And it definitely was not more efficient, but it maybe was much more strategic. So I, I've noticed that happening too. So I, I think we definitely have some, some good stuff here uh, trying to value kids from the get-go. So l- l- let's move on um, to what are some of the things you think that our church might struggle with or maybe we could grow in uh, as it comes to our engagement with kids in our, our church culture. I mean... Kids are so good at kind of showing us adults our weak spots. And, I mean, kids, can you just wave your hands back there? There's a lot of them. There's a lot of little kids. None of them will wave their hands. But I've got one over there, a couple. And they bring a lot of energy and excitement and quirkiness and a lot of life. And sometimes it's really hard to wrangle that. So part of the struggle of having so many kids, we've almost got as many and at sometimes more kids than we do adults. And it's really obvious sometimes, especially when we have to bring kids into CG, we're trying to listen and pay attention. So there's some logistical challenges to that. It kind of brings up a lot of stuff in some of us All adults. Wait, put it like right <laughs> on your chin. Like I know it's awkward. Okay. I really want you to hear me, I guess. Hello. That's right. Um, yeah, and with the same, there's... Uh, a challenge with us being a young church, both as a demographic and as a young church with only three years, we're figuring stuff out. We don't have a clear path ahead yet. We're trying as we go. We're making experiments. We're taking chances. And as families, a lot of us, were doing the same thing. So we're figuring stuff out. And we're making experiments. We're making changes. A lot of us are doing soul care and therapy, and we're doing the hard work. And that brings a lot of growth and a lot of messiness. And we're all over the map with kind of expectations internally for how kids should behave in our homes, in a church. And, you know, there can be some heat that comes in a, in a group of people uh, where we don't always see eye to eye on that. But we're all on the same team. So I think I really long for us to, to be on the same team with loving our kids well, even if we're different. Mm-hmm. Even if we are kind of landing in different areas on how we engage with kids. Yeah. Yeah, it's different. If there's different parenting styles, it, it, it can be difficult, right? <laughs> there's there's definitely uh, definitely some potential for difficulty there, different uh, expectations, discipline styles. These things all mix together in church. I'm sure you've never noticed, right? Yeah. Um, I think another thing is, you know, just having a lot of kids in a church, having a children's ministry is a challenge when we don't have enough volunteers. Mm-hmm. And as the children's coordinator up here, I'm feeling that a little bit. If, I, if there's a little slice of vulnerability there, like it's kind of um, a little stressful mm-hmm. uh, trying to think about how to steward our kids well and bring the joy and enthusiasm and um, infuse them with the love and joy of Christ 
when they can they come in with a little bit of stress of their own because they know like well I don't know I'm just am I just kind of here am I just kind of floating around and my heart really goes out to my kids who I can't provide services for mm -hmm. I have a really short um, availability of classes I have a two through fours room and a five through eights room and so there's a big chunk of kids that I don't have space for mm -hmm. and oh man breaks my heart a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, there's a logistical challenge there too. When we have so many kids, but not very many willing servants to jump in and mm -hmm. help serve those. Yeah, yeah, I think that's for sure. I, I've also noticed that it seems like that uh, there's not a ton of uh, men that are willing to uh, help out in our Sprouts ministry. Maybe that's just from the outside looking in, but it seems like there's the potential that we've got a little bit of that culture of like the kids or women's work. I don't know if you get that uh, sense. We sure don't want to perpetuate that as a church because it's certainly not biblical. Man, there's a whole lot of uh, value in kids having uh, uh, men engage with them with Christ and with the gospel and, and sprouts. And so that's another thing I've noticed that I think could be cool to keep us uh, moving ahead in. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, well, here, I'll, I'll just move on to this one. Let, let's ask this question. Why did you take this job? I mean, it was very part-time. You weren't going to be able to do everything you'd want to if you were full-time. But why did you take this job? What are you passionate about, excited about? When it comes to sprouts yeah I took this job um, because it was an opportunity for me to bring my two passions together my passion of teaching kids and also intersecting that with my love of the gospel and there was an opportunity for me to explore a passion that I was just discovering of engaging families and passing those skills on um, to them so you know it's not just me teaching kids in a classroom which makes me excited but it's me giving those skills and empowering other people to be able to do that too when maybe they're like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know what this looks like. I want, I, I was discovering that that was something I was excited about too. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, I know you have a real heart to help adults mm -hmm. uh, uh, learn how to engage with kids better. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's probably pretty needed. Um, all right, so let's, uh, let's go to this one. What do you long to see change and grow in our church oh, yeah. in this next season mm -hmm. as it relates to Sprouts? Mm -hmm. I think this question was so good for my heart to to dwell on um, because for me to think about this question I have to think about the end the end vision and that's something that I really love to do in my personal life too although it's challenging so my end vision for all our kids is for them to grow up with a story of being deeply loved and valued as children in the church especially and being able to bring that into their family so I'm thinking like generations ahead like 20, 30 years down the line, what do I want them, those kids, to come away from tall grass, their life here, whatever tall grass is, uh, that long from now? Mm -hmm. So I long, I deeply long for our kids to feel super valued by all of us. And I hope for tall grass to be a church where children leave feeling that way every Sunday. Like maybe it's a struggle to get them to come here. There's some tantrums, they're hungry, they didn't get their snack on time, but they leave this building with an energy in them because they're like, man, I had a couple adults tell me they told me they noticed that my favorite color was pink <laughs> or that they saw that I was really kind to someone. Like, my bucket is filled as a kid. Like, oh. It's not that different from adults, is it? It's not. And the way they see Jesus is going to be in that. It's, mm -hmm. it's going to be a little bit about what I teach them in Sprouts about the actual Word of God. That's going to be a key piece also, but really the kicker is going to be how they feel here. Mm -hmm. And that's what I 
even if they can't remember all the details from the Bible, like when they're 13 years old, like they've got their whole life to memorize that. Mm. But if they can feel in their bones that they were valued and loved and invested in and not seen as an inconvenience, that is what's going to change generations. Mm -hmm. That is what's going to really be the fuel to um, minister the gospel to their families mm -hmm. and to other people in their community. They're going to be a testimony to that. And that's hard. It's not easy to do that mm -hmm. because we don't, a lot of us here don't have that in our own stories. Mm -hmm. So it's like we're going to have to go back to our own childhood and speak the words we needed spoken to us in a church setting or in life mm -hmm. to be able to do that for our kids. And God's in that. Mm -hmm. God's in rewiring those things and rewriting our story. That's a gift of our children. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. All right. So uh, to end, how can we help? How can we help care for Sprouts in this next season? Yeah. Um, it, I feel like this question, it's easy to make it complicated, but it's not. It's a couple of really easy things. The first one is just, I'd love for us all to make a goal to just talk to one kid a Sunday. Maybe not your own kid. If you have kids, maybe just mention something sweet about another kiddo that's not yours. And if you don't have kids, make that same goal. Mm -hmm. Go up to another kid and say, hey, I notice you really like to do your own hair. Do you like to do your own hair? I notice you like to dress yourself. I notice when that kid took something from you, you stayed. Or I notice you really get excited after church and you like to use your feet to run, huh? Yeah, you're really fast. I see that. <laughs> I like how you're, 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 you're making these into uh -huh. positive like, statements. You there. know, kids are wiggly. They're goofy. <laughs> they bring energy. There's no way around that. Our kids now look a lot like the kids that came to see Jesus. Mm. Kids really haven't changed a whole lot. But we have. We as adults, we've changed because our world is a lot different and a lot similar. There's some things that are carryovers for sure, but mm -hmm. we, our expectations have kind of changed in some ways. So um, I'd love for, so talk to another kid. Talk to one kid a Sunday. Um, ask them to do something with you and be willing for it to be less efficient. Of course, ask their parents. Like, don't ask them to, like, go a long ways away from their families. <laughs> That's just, like, basic safety. Say, hey, Mom and Dad, could I... You know, is it okay for them to help Joey carry this out to my car and, like, bring them back? Like, they would love to help you with that. They would love to be a part of that for you. Um, and I'd encourage us all to just consider praying for one kiddo. Mm -hmm. Maybe your own and an extra. So I have three kiddos, so I might choose to pray for an extra little kiddo in my um, Sprouts class or that I just see that's not in my Sprouts class, one of those older kids that I long to be able to provide a class for and reach them and make them feel loved. I'd pray for them. Um, and of course, as a Sprouts coordinator, please serve. Please come and serve. I mean, today, it was a little bit of a struggle finding just one person to come and serve in the twos through fours class. And I'm so thankful that we did it. And they are in there and they're so excited. But that's just I mean, it's another slice of vulnerability. We cannot serve our kids well, and I cannot do my job well without help. Mm -hmm. I got I to gotta have help. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's pretty simple. So uh, I'll just put it more simply. Uh, I would challenge each of us to consider uh, how we can... Uh, Take a, take a step into serving in Sprouts, whether you just try it as a one-time, see what it's like, 
Uh, you can have, there's, there's a lot of helper spots where you don't have to have any expertise. You're just a warm body, and it's very helpful. Uh, and then perhaps uh, sign up in a recurring way to serve once or twice a month. One of the benefits of the, uh, this brave new world is everything's always online. If you're serving in Sprouts, you, can, you don't have to miss fully a Sunday. You can catch up online afterwards and stay connected that way. So I think that's a real strategic uh, opportunity for our church in this next season. Really strategic ministry for us to minister uh, in this next season. Thanks, Alicia. Yeah. All right, I'm going to invite Matthias up to end our time. Uh, he's got one more opportunity for us to put into practice this teaching um, in a little bit of a different way to, to, to help care for some of the most vulnerable sprouts in our city. You can. You can have this thing all you want. As a sprouts volunteer, primarily... I show up and play with the toys, <laughs> and I, I build the Legos, and I uh, race the cars, and that is incredibly um, impactful with the young kids who are in there, because they'll see what I'm building, and then they'll take it over, and I'll just, yeah, here you go. Now you build the Lego, and it's not difficult. So. I'm not generally teaching the lesson, but just somebody to play with the kids and then pick up the snacks when they drop. And it's fairly, there's, there's a role there for you, even if you're not going to teach it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> what I wanted to uh, share with you this morning is an opportunity for us to be a blessing to the Life Choice Ministry here in Manhattan, Kansas. And I want to start by reading a little bit of an article that I found in the uh, AFA Journal, American Family Association. This is the very newest edition. This is going to be the May 2021 edition. The author, uh, Joy Lucius, writes, Why don't Christians put even half of their pro-life efforts into taking care of needy children already living in America. Joy uh, writes, I've heard related arguments used over and over. Maybe you've heard this as well. Why don't Christians put even half of their pro-life efforts into taking care of needy children? And Joy writes, I agree, that's a reasonable question, so let me ask it again. Why don't Christians put even half of their pro-life efforts into taking care of needy children already living in America? Well, the answer might be surprising. American Christians don't do half as much for living children as they do for the preborn because we are doing twice as much as other Americans. Specifically in adoptions, and while most the percentage of Americans who are adopting is fairly low. Maybe 2% is the, uh, is the Barna Group um, statistic. 2% of Americans pursue adoption more than, <clears throat> let me read it specifically, over 5% of Christian families are adopting. So we, Christians, and I don't say that to pat ourselves on the back or say we're, we're better than, but just... Christians are putting their, their faith into action, putting their money where their mouth is. So we have a 
a passion for unborn children, but also for the children who are in our communities who need help. And Life Choice Ministries is an opportunity for us to invest, and very specifically, Life Choice Ministries is a is a non-political organization. So if if the uh, pro-life uh, debate versus uh, pro-choice debate is uh, makes you feel uncomfortable, Life Choice Ministries is not a part of that a debate. Rather, uh, Life Choice Ministries is specifically focused on caring for young women who find themselves in a crisis pregnancy. So there's there's no um, political agenda at play for this particular organization. And what Life Choice Ministries offers to Manhattan for young women in that crisis pregnancy is a free pregnancy test, emotional support, prenatal care, childbirth care, infant care, all these education in each of these uh, prenatal children, childbirth, infant care education, Life Choice Ministries facilitates private adoption. When a young woman comes in in a crisis pregnancy, she'll get the pregnancy test, the emotional support she needs, and also, if you cannot keep this child, we can arrange, we can help, rather, arrange an adopting parent, an adopting family. <clears throat> Life Choice Ministries provides a friendship room that contains free maternity items and baby items, diapers, cribs, child clothes, um, bottles, pacifiers, the, the gamut. Life Choice Ministries provides support from friends and mentors. They provide post-abortion help. Not, not just if you want to keep the baby great, we're here to help you, but if a young woman has finds herself in a post-abortion um, place, Life Choice Ministries is still ministering to that young woman. Uh, options, consultation, professional counseling, spiritual support, fatherhood coaches. Life Choice Ministries is going to come alongside young moms and young dads who are saying, what do we do next? We don't know if we can do this. So a real practical way we can help, um, I'll just put up the slide, would Thank be you. this fundraiser, annual fundraiser, that our church participates in each year. I am the team coach for Tallgrass. I am walking. I am a registered walker. You can sponsor me to walk with a donation. Additionally, I am recruiting more walkers from this group. So a walker would raise their own sponsor support from their friends and family who are beyond these four walls. And they would walk Saturday, June 26th and show our support for Life Choice Ministries. We're, Life Choice is desiring to raise $40,000, which is about 20% of a yearly operating cost. This is a big, big fundraiser for them, critical, and we get to participate in that. They'll raise funds additionally in, in other ways that 
they're giving, a, they're giving so much to the community and resources that their operating budget is considerable, but this is a big part of it. So, so the way that we can get involved would be to support you uh, through you fundraiser to, uh, for your uh, yes. participation in the walk war. If you want to jump in and be a walker as well, you can uh, raise your own uh, support network and raise funds that way. So if anyone has questions, I assume they can ask you. If you're ready to walk, come talk to me. I'll get you signed up and get you a all the fundraising materials that you need, including a materials that you can put on your social media account. People can go to your Facebook page and easily uh, give a donation. Very simple. Great. And if not, find somebody to sponsor. Great. Well, thank you, Matthias. Yeah, another opportunity to support um, young kids, those, those who are not even born yet. All right, so thanks for engaging with us today. Kids, thank you for being here. If you're coloring, you did great. If you're an adult, why don't you give the kids a hand? Thank you for being here. Looks like some of them have trickled out. All right, band, go ahead and come up. We're going to close uh, by singing, and then, uh, and then we'll at least officially be done. But will you pray with me as we transition? Jesus, we want to engage uh, with the things that are on your heart, with the people that are on your heart. Uh, if the teaching today had been about some specific uh, ministry uh, to engage with a certain type of people or a certain need in our community, I'm sure it would, we, would, uh, we would see that really clearly. But sometimes when it's kids who are just running around and always here, uh, it's harder to see that need. So, Lord, open our eyes to see children in our church the way you do and to see how strategic it is that we engage them, not just for them, but for us as well. Lord, grow us as in the church culture of this coming season uh, where we can uh, look more like the family of God that you have in mind uh, as it relates to caring for sprouts. Amen. This teaching was recorded at Tallgrass Community Church. Because God first loved us, we exist to love God and love our neighbors. For more resources like this, visit tallgrass.church.